This week, God's been so good, and uh, man, I've enjoyed such a great time of Bible study this week, and, and the Lord has been so great, and God's just given me some wonderful, wonderful truths, and I look forward to sharing those with our Calvary crowd when they get back in here, and, uh, but just, you know, just, I guess, because of all that we're going through right now, and just trying to follow the will of the Lord, uh, I'm going to do something that I don't do a whole, whole lot, I'm going to preach a rerun today of sorts, of sorts. And uh, now, a couple things. And, uh, and if you go to Calvary any at all, you know that it's just something that I just don't like to do a whole lot. But um, I heard this statement the other day. I want to share it with you. In fact, I, in fact, I typed it out and I put it in front of my Bible. And it said this, the man who preaches an old sermon because he doesn't want to study is lazy. But the man who refuses to preach an old sermon for fear that others will call him lazy is a coward. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said that, <laughs> far greater man than I'll ever be. And uh, when, I, when he said that, I thought, woof, that was a little bit of a conviction there. And so God has uh, led me to pull out something that I have preached in the past. Many of you won't even remember it. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I pulled it out this week, worked on it. And I've got quite a, a, a bit of new content in it, and so those who've heard it probably still won't recognize it. But anyway, uh, I want to try to be a blessing to you today, especially in, in light of what we're going through. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, and uh, look with us, if you will. I wish we could just read the whole thing, but let's start in verse number 10, verse number 10, Philippians 4, verse number 10. The Bible says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, or for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now look at verse 19. We'll finish there. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to say thank you to our our. Uh, sound and video guys that came out today, and, uh, and we have a sprinkling of some of our folks here today, but we're well within the governor's standards. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel extremely passionate about the message I'm going to give you today. And part of the reason is because I know it's going to help somebody. But I also know, and of course we know this book never returns void, but we also know that the devil's going to do his best to try to He's going to try to do his best to try to defeat and discourage and distract and all those kind of things. 
And so I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the Bible study today. And I want to encourage you to be praying with me as we pray. And we want to pray that this thing will just reach out, because I really believe with all of my heart that this is going to help somebody today. Last Sunday morning, by the time the live stream went off, I think our guys told us we had almost 900 views. And so we know that the powers of darkness doesn't want that to happen. So he's, they're going to do all that they can to try to knock this off the air and those kind of things. And I pray that that won't happen today. And I want you to pray as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. And we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. And God, I thank you for our dear Calvary folk, how we love our Calvary family. And I know that other churches feel the same way. God, we feel like we have something very, very special at Calvary Baptist Church. But I would say, Lord, I know we don't have a corner on the market. I know that Jesus, as Brother Brandon said, he's omnipresent. And he's not able just to be here at this church, but he's able to be at at thousands of churches. And he's able to work in thousands and thousands of live streams all across the world today. And I pray that he would do exactly that. I pray that Jesus would increase and that we would decrease. And Heavenly Father, as we often do at Calvary, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service, over this technology, over the live stream. And God, I pray that maybe, maybe this thing would reach out today as maybe it never has before. And I pray that souls would come to Jesus. And I pray that hearts would be encouraged God, I pray that you'd bless our discussion today. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for being such a wonderful, wonderful God. Lord, truly, you're you're amazing. And we bless your name. Help us, Father, please. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I want you to look again, if you will, at verse number 18. That's our text this morning. And Paul said, but I have all and abound. And then he says this, I am full. I'm full. And that's what I want to talk to us about today, this morning and also tonight. I am full. And how you can have a full life in an empty world. And uh, so many people are struggling right now. And they're discouraged. And they're, you know, despairing. And uh, man, I want to, listen, I just want to remind us that we, that's not where we're supposed to live. And uh, somebody said, you know what, that, uh, uh, you know what, you, you don't want to stay in the valley of discouragement. I want to encourage you to, man, to, to listen to the message today. And I believe it's going to be a blessing. I believe it's going to be a help. So let me give you a little background here. The letter to the Philippians is a letter or a love letter of sorts. That's what's going on. The apostle Paul is is writing to the Philippian church or the church in Philippi to express his undying gratitude to a church that's been so faithful to care for his needs. In fact, if you go back and you study this out, you'll find out that at one time, the church of Philippi was his sole supporting church. He didn't have a lot of churches supporting him, but this, this one faithful, godly church, which he founded, by the way, uh, is his sole supporter. And now as we read Philippians chapter 4, evidently, the church has sent another gift by way of a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And when Paul receives this gift, he is literally overwhelmed in his spirit. And uh, he gets it and, and he's just overwhelmed. In fact, in verse number 18, he says, he says, man, I 
am full. I'm full. <laughs> I love that thought. I love that mentality. It's the Greek word plero, and it means this. It means to be fulfilled. But it goes a little further than that. It literally means to cram. To cram. It means satisfied. In other words, the Apostle Paul was, as he wrote this letter to this Philippian church, he said this, guys, I'm just crammed full of the blessings of God. He said, man, I am, I am so full right now. He said, I'm just, and this is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I'm maxed out. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm blessed beyond measure. Now, you say, preacher, is that in itself amazing? And I really believe it is, and I'll tell you why. Because what's really astounding about this passage is that when Paul wrote this letter of gratitude, literally overwhelmed by the goodness of God, he's imprisoned in a Philippian jail. That's when he writes about that. In fact, I want to encourage just a short little book, four chapters. Go back and read it in your devotions. And, and you'll notice if you, as you read the book of Philippians that, that Paul mentions the word joy. Paul mentions the word rejoice over and over and over again. And so my point this morning is this, that Paul's circumstances were far from perfect. And yet Paul says, I'm full. I'm full. And I want to encourage us this morning. I know where we are. I know what our nation is going through right now. I, I know that we hear of death and we hear of sickness and we hear of sorrow and we hear of layoffs and we hear of all these things. But, but I just believe with all of my heart, even in the midst of all these things, I believe because we know Jesus Christ, we can live a full life. It's amazing. Those who fill up on worldly things always end up empty. They always do. Uh, at, at, after 29 years of ministry, we've seen people, and I know that you have as well, we've seen people step away from the will of God. We've seen people get out of church. We've seen people get out of their Bibles. We've seen people get away from the Lord only to end up empty. And the reason for that is because the world always leaves you feeling empty. Just coming up the road today, I thought about what Naomi said in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 21. She said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And those that are trying to find their fullness in the world and those that are trying to find their satisfaction in the world are always searching for something else. They're always searching for some new drug or some new high or some new buzz or some new religion or some new crowd or some new uh, type of entertainment. By the way, that's why people are so despondent right now because many of those things have been taken away. But I'm... I'm glad. Then when NBA is not bouncing a ball, I'm still full. And when NASCAR is not racing a, a race car, I'm still full. And when guys aren't necessarily knocking little white balls around a golf course, I'm still full because my fullness is not dependent on the NBA and my fullness is not dependent on the NFL. My fullness is found in none other than Jesus Christ. The truth is, there's a void in every human heart that'll never be filled by anything other than God himself. It's exactly why the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 and verse number 14, for when the Gentiles which have not the law 
do by the nature of the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Listen to this verse. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. In other words, God puts a, puts a hole in every person's heart that it can only by, be filled by him. It's exactly why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and verse number 10, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced, listen to this, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. And then Solomon said that I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity, emptiness, Solomon said, man, I built nice homes. I, I had plenty of horses and livestock. I had barns to put them in. I had servants. I had riches. I had wealth. I had all these amazing things. And Solomon said, I tried to do it without the Lord. And when I turned around, life was empty. Life was meaningless. Why? Because there is something in the heart of every man and every woman and every boy and every girl that God puts there. And it will never be filled outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said it like this You've made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. C.S. Lewis made this statement, and I absolutely love it. He said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's so true. Blaise Pascal said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God the creator made known through Jesus. And so you know what? We can have a full life today. Even with all that's going on, even all the burdens, all the trials, yes, we're going through a valley, but I'm glad that I can come to you today. And by the way, this is not fake. This is not a facade. I'm telling you. And, and the world looks on and the world says, man, what is wrong with you Christians? How can you still smile? How can you still have a good time? How can you still uh, shout and, and act like you're so happy? And the reason is because our fullness does not depend on the world. Our fullness is not dependent on if everybody's healthy or some are sick. Our fullness is dependent on knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. And Paul says to this church, here he is in, in a Mamertine jail. Here he is in a, in a prison. He's been beaten. Paul is in this jail and he writes to this church and he says, hey church, just to let you know, I'm abounding. I'm full. He said, man, I, I'm just crammed full of the blessings of God. He said, I just don't think I can take much more. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, man, how in the world, it, it, especially in the circumstance in which Paul was living, how could Paul say, I am full? Well, I want to give you only one thought today. That's as far as we're going to go. But number one is this. We notice that Paul was controlled in his thoughts. Now, if you've not listened to anything else I've said, I hope you'll hear me out right now because this is absolutely vital. 
Paul was controlled in his thoughts. Now, I'll put it up on the screen, but I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to look, if you will, please, at verse number 8. And notice we didn't read this this morning, but we're going to read it now. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. And notice what the apostle Paul says. He, I believe Paul is explaining how his life could be so full, even in the midst of hard and difficult circumstances. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Paul says, finally, brethren, and by the way, if you'd like to mark your Bible, I want you to get your pen ready or get your pencil ready, and I want you to mark some words for me. Philippians 4 verse 8. Paul said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And if you want to mark your Bible, I want you to circle that word right there, true. Whatsoever things are true. And then he said, whatsoever things are honest. Circle that word, honest. Whatsoever things are just. Again, circle or underline the word just. Whatsoever things are pure. Again, circle that word, pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Again, underline the word lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. Circle those words, good report. If there be any, look at the word, virtue. That word virtue is the idea of moral excellence. If there be any virtue, circle that word virtue. And if there be any praise, underline that word praise. And if there be any praise, look what Paul says. Think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Well, I love this. Paul, you know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, you know how I can live such a full life? How someone says, oh, Paul, you're in jail. Paul says, yes, I know, but I'm so full. And somebody says, Paul, you, you're, you're in stocks and fetters. And, and Paul said, yes, I know, but I'm so full. And, and somebody says, Paul, you don't even have freedom to, to, to go, uh, go about. You can't go to McDonald's right now. You, you can't go to Burger King right now. Uh, uh, you, you, you can't go to the golf course right now. Paul said, yeah, I know, but I'm so full. And one of the reasons that I'm full is because, uh, because Paul said, I'm very, very careful to control the things that enter my mind. He said, I control my thoughts. I wrote it down like this. Paul is saying this. I have a controlled diet of things that I think about. And any of you dieters that are watching, any of you folks that know what I'm talking about, if you've ever dieted, you know what? You have to control what you allow in your mouth. And if you don't, you won't lose weight. Don't you love these commercials that says you can lose weight and eat anything you want to eat? And I'm thinking, liar, 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 pants on fire. That is not true. That's absolutely not true. And, and you know what? If you're going to diet, you've got to control. <laughs> you can't eat two Big Macs. You've got to eat less. You can't consume two Whoppers. You've got to do less. You've got to have a diet. And that's what Paul was saying here. I have a controlled diet of things that I think about. Henry Ford said this. I love it. Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few engage in it. It's true. Someone said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right. In, in fact, the Word of God tells us this. In fact, I, I think I've got, yep, I've got this on the screen there. Proverbs 23, 7. The Bible says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, I'm going to give you a statement. First time I've ever, ever seen this statement as far as I know. 
and, and it made such an impact on my life. And I wrote it down this week and I put it in big, bold letters in the outline. And I want to share it with you this morning. And I want you to, I want you to really hear what I'm about to say. Here's the statement. You are not what you think you are. What you think you are. Now that's so important, I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to write that down. You need to write that in the flyleaf of your Bible. Here it is again. You are not what you think you are. What you think you are. You know what that means? It means your mind is going to determine the fullness of your life. How you think. The thoughts that you have. How you think about situations. Oh, it's probably never going to work out, preacher. I mean, oh, I'm telling you, this coronavirus is going to get everybody. Be careful. Because you are what you think. I, I, I don't know. I, preacher, when we get done with this, I don't know if anybody's going to survive. I, I, I mean, we're probably going to be able to pay our bills. And I, I'm probably going to lose my home. And I mean, we're probably all going to be sick. And, and uh, I'm just telling you, listen, you have to control what you allow to come into your mind right now. How you think about situations. How you think about people. How you, how you face problems. Listen, are you the kind of person that's always thinking the negative about everybody? Always looking for the negatives. You know what? And my wife, she says all the time, man, you always, always give people the benefit of the doubt. She's right. At least I hope she's right. You know why? Because I'm going to think the best, not the worst. I don't want to look at somebody's negative. I want to look at the positive that's in them. Ultimately, your mind will determine the fullness of your life, how you think about situations, how you think about people, how you face problems. Someone said it like this. Boy, this is, this is important. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character it becomes your destiny. What, you, you say, preacher, what is your, your point? My point is this. We have to control what we allow our mind to think. That's exactly what Paul was saying. Somebody says, Paul, I'm sure somebody wrote back and said, Paul, what in the world? How can you say you're full? And you, you're, we, we can't, you're in prison. How, how can you say you're full? And Paul says, I don't think about things that aren't pure and things that aren't honest and things that aren't lovely and things that aren't of good report. I'm not going to think about the negative. I'm not going to think about the dark. I'm not going to think about the, the, about the bad. I'm not going to think about, uh, you know, uh, all these things. Paul said, I'm going I'm to concentrate on those things that are going to help me to have the mind of Jesus Christ. The Bible has so much to say about this subject. So much to say about it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23. The Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You say, Pastor, I don't know what that means. Sure you do. If you've ever remodeled something, you know exactly what it means. That's what it means. Renew, remodel. If you've ever remodeled your bathroom, you've ever remodeled your your kitchen, you tore out the old cabinets, you put in new cabinets. You tore out the old linoleum, you put in a new floor. 
You tore out the old electricity and you put in new wires. You tore out the old plumbing and you put in new plumbing. And that's exactly what the Holy Ghost is saying here. That if we're going to have the mind that we ought to have, we got to pull out the old plumbing, pull out the old cabinets and pull out the old linoleum and pull out the old thoughts and pull out the negative and pull out the dark and pull out the bad and start filling your mind with those things that are good and those things that are positive. Your life will not change until you make the decision and I make the decision to renovate the way we think. It's important. Thinking. Paul controlled his thoughts. Now I'm sure we have, <coughs> I'm sure we have a lot of little boys and girls watching this morning. And so I want all of our little boys and girls to really get up close to the television screen. Mom and dad, <coughs> I want you to turn the volume up. I want you to tell me now, put down your devices. Listen to the preacher. I want to try to help you this morning. I'm talking about controlling your thoughts. So back a long, long time ago, 1930, there was a book that was put out. And it was called The Little Engine That Could. And in the story, the, there's a train and it's loaded down with toys and clowns and giraffes, toy trucks, toy cars. It's loaded down with a lot of good food to eat, apples and oranges, and this train's on its way to the city. But before it, before it crosses the mountain, the engine breaks down. And the toys looked at one another and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, what are those little boys going to do? They're not going to, those little boys and girls are not going to get their toys. What, they're they're going to be so sad. We, we've got to uh, figure out a way to, to, to get to the, to the town. All of a sudden, a beautiful, beautiful, shiny engine came by. And the toy said, hey, 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 would you help us? Would you pull us to the city so the boys and girls can get their toys and their stuffed animals and and their toy, uh, toy trucks and cars and their apples and their oranges and the shiny engine said, me, pull you? I don't think so. You see, I was made to carry people. You see, I have beautiful passenger cars, luxurious passenger cars and beautiful dining cars where people Feast on gourmet food. No, no, no. I would never even think about pulling you. A little bit later, another engine came by. Oh, it was a big engine. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was a big engine. And the toy said, hey, hey, would you pull us, to, uh, would you pull us across the mountain to the town so the boys and girls can enjoy their toys? And, and the engine said, oh, no, no, no way. Me pull you? I don't think so. You see, I'm a big engine. I was designed to pull logs. I was designed to pull big trucks and cars. No, no, I'll not pull you. He went on his way, and as fate would have it, a little blue engine came along. And the toy said to that little blue engine, they said, hey, our engine's not working. We need to get to the town so the boys and girls can enjoy their toys and their food and would you pull us across the mountain to the town? And the little blue engine said, I've never even been across the mountain. I'm, I'm mighty small. But he said, I'll do what I can. He hooked up to that train and 
They began to go up the mountain. Man, he was straining with everything that was in him and the steam was literally just pouring out of the little engine and, and little by little by little they were going up the mountain. His wheels were sliding on the track and, and, uh, and, he, and he, he was heard to say this, I think I can, I think I can, I, I think I can, 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 I think I can. And sure enough, uh, he got closer and closer and closer to the, to the summit of that mountain. And yes, he he made it to the top and, and over the top they went and down the other side uh, going their way to the town where the boys and girls could get their toys and all the toys were shouting and happy and they said you could hear the little engine saying this I thought I could 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 you say pastor why don't you get back to preaching the Bible you don't even know it I am preaching the Bible this morning listen you can make it through this dilemma you can make it through this crisis but bless God, you've got to put the right kind of thoughts in your head. Amen. Preach the Bible, okay. I preach the Bible. How about Romans 12, 2? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians in the world ever said? In Acts 26, 2, Paul said, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. Acts 26, 2 is where you don't have to turn there now, but write it down, go back and study it out. Acts 26, 2, I think myself happy. It's the Greek word, it's the Greek word, hegeoma. It means this, it means to rule. It means to command, it means to have authority over. In other words, Paul's saying this, I'm going to be the commander of my thoughts. And somebody says, Paul, what in the world? You are the weirdest guy I've ever met. Paul said, no, I just control the way I think. How in the world can you be making your appeal before Caesar? And yet you're thinking yourself happy. Paul said, I control, I'm the, I'm the commander. I have authority over my thoughts. Hey, I'm gonna drop another bomb on you this morning. This is good, man, this is good stuff. Someone said it like this. I've got this emboldened, I've got it in red, I've got it highlighted. Someone said, let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. And you say, preacher, why are you preaching this? Because right now, in fact, my wife and I were going down the road yesterday and they were doing one of these government, I don't know what you'd call it, press release, commercial type thing. And the guy was saying this, if you find yourself drinking a lot, if you find yourself suicidal, if you find yourself frightened, so much so that you can't even really control yourself, it's time to reach out. And I want to say amen to that. But I would say this, if that's you, reach out to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. And let Jesus control 
your thoughts. Hey, church, be careful about letting others dictate what you think about. Be cautious of allowing the media to control your thoughts. And I'm sure sometimes, sometimes, they mean well. My wife and I, we, we were going to walk last night, going out for a little walk last night. And I had the truck, you know, we were in the truck and I had the radio on, it was on Fox News. I'm sure they meant well, I'm sure they meant well. But every other report was, this person died, this person died, this person died, this, and I told my wife, I said, that's enough of that. And I'm not making light of death. I'm just saying that, you know what? I'm not gonna, I am not gonna camp out my thoughts in the graveyard. I'm gonna control my thoughts. Somebody says, how in the world, man? How could Paul, sitting in a Philippian jail, Paul writes back this little church says, man, oh, guys. He said, I don't think I can take anymore. He said, man, I'm just so full right now. Oh, he said, I'm just overwhelmed by the greatness and the goodness of God. Control your thoughts. Wow, interesting story. It's February the 11th, 1965, when Lieutenant Commander Bob Shoemaker was flying his F-8 over North Vietnam. They tell us that it was his first bombing mission, his very first bombing mission in Vietnam. And as he was flying, an artillery shell hit the, hit the tail of his plane. And the, the plane sustained such damage, he was not able to control the plane, and of course he had to bail out. And when he, he was so low to the ground, by the time he bailed out, and by the time his parachute opened, he was 35 feet from the ground. When he hit the ground, it instantaneously broke his back. It was just a little bit after that that the Viet Cong came and they took Bob Shoemaker captive and they put him in a prison camp, not just any prison camp. They put him in a prison camp that became very famous in Vietnam and it was called the Hanoi Hilton. He was the second American to be housed at what now is a famous prison camp and for the next eight years, he stayed there. He said at first, they did not torture us. But he said as, as time progressed, he said they began to torture us. He said he can remember spending 14 hours a day in a little claustrophobic cell where you could hardly even turn around. 14 hours. He talked about being forced to kneel on the concrete for 12 days straight. Not hours, but days. For three years they lived, he and several other prisoners lived in solitary confinement, totally cut off. Totally cut off. He said he got to know some of those soldiers. They, they had a little Morse code tapping system that they, that they concocted. And he said after three years, some of those soldiers he had talked to through Morse code, he finally after three years saw them for the very first time. He said he and many others faced two firing squads while the executioner's guns just clicked. In other words, they didn't mean to kill them. They just meant to terrorize them. 
And so they lined them up in front of the firing squad with, with empty guns and, and made them think they were going to shoot them. And as I read this story, I thought, man, it would have been very easy, and I'm sure some did, it would have been very easy for a man to go out of his mind. And Lieutenant Commander Bob Shoemaker said this. He said, as I was in that little cell in the Hanoi Hilton, sometimes for 14 hours straight, not coming out, darkness. He said that I knew that I had to do something with my mind. He said, so without pencil and without any paper, he said, I began to design my future house for my wife and I. Very meticulously, brick by brick, mortar, you know, the mortar and just all the different aspects of my house. He said, I begin to, I begin to build my house from the foundation up. Every room, every design, the location of the laundry room, the location of the laundry chute, where the laundry chute would be. The yard, the sauna. He said, I mean, down to the, to the most minute detail. He said, he said, for years, he said, I designed that house. Well, the war ended. And Bob Shoemaker survived. He stayed in the military, by the way. Several years later, after his, after his release, he and his wife bought a little piece of ground in Washington. And Bob Shoemaker said, we begin to build that house that I had designed for eight years. He said, I designed it down to the foundation. In fact, it's a funny story. You ought to read it sometime. He said, as he, much of it he'd done himself, but he said, as he met with the contractor and we were going over different details, the contractor would say, now, Mr. Shoemaker, it would probably be better if we did this. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, this is exactly where I want it. He said, this is exactly how it must be designed because for eight years, he had designed in his mind. Now you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is, you've got to control your thoughts, especially in this day and time in which we're living. Let me end with a great verse. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You say, Pastor, what's going to happen with this coronavirus thing? I don't know. I think it's going to get better. I'll be honest. I think it's going to get better. I think, I think it won't be long. We'll be back to normal again, or at least as normal as we can be. I'll put it that way. But I'll be honest with you, you know what, if this thing, if, 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 if this thing went south, you know what, for those of you who are a child of God, you need not worry. Be careful for nothing, same chapter by the way, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. That passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, uh, Child of God, control your thoughts. If your mind starts going south, say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not thinking about that. Well, what if? Don't, don't cross that bridge until you have to cross it. 
Don't make those decisions until you have to make those decisions. And let's just control our thoughts and let God bring victory. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning, if you will. Wherever you may be, I'm going to ask you to do the same. And I want to take just a moment before we go off the air. Because it could be there's somebody that's watching today who doesn't know Christ as Savior. If you're watching today by way of live stream, maybe YouTube or Facebook Live, or maybe you're listening by way of radio, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, several things. Number one, the Bible says we're all sinners. This man that's talking to you is a sinner. I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm a pastor, yes, but I'm a sinner. And I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that means not only am I a sinner, but the Bible says you're a sinner. And the Bible says because of that sin that we're supposed to, that we'll have to die. And ultimately, it'll be death and hell. Romans 6, 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But good neighbor, I've got some great news. You don't have to die in your sin. You see, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God, in that while we were yet sinners, commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ came. He was God's perfect son. Every sin that I've ever committed, every sin that you've ever committed, he took those sins on him and, and he went to the cross of Calvary. And there he bled and suffered and died an agonizing death. Literally, the wrath of God was poured upon him for our sin, your sin. They put him in the grave, but the Bible says three days later, God raised him from the dead. He's a living, resurrected Savior. It's what we call the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, he would love to save you. If you're watching today or listening today and you have never been born again, right now, would you just open your heart to Jesus? He said it like this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open to me, Jesus said, I'll come in and sup with him. John chapter 1, To as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, wherever you are, wherever you are, if you're in your car, I'm going to encourage you right now just to pull over somewhere if you can, if it's possible. If you're in your bedroom, I'm going to encourage you to right now open your heart to Jesus, wherever you may be, maybe a hotel room, maybe a different country. And right now, you just say something like this to him, dear God. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my sins and my transgressions, my wrongs. Forgive me. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for me. I believe he died for me and rose again. And right now, I invite your son Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life and to save my soul and take me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I trust you today as my Lord and Savior. Take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Help me to serve you for the rest of my life. Father, we thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for the encouragement that we've received. 
Lord, I pray that you'll help us as the Apostle Paul to control our thoughts. Lord, especially, especially in the day in which we're living. God, we have to be the commander of what our mind thinks. We have to be the authority of where our mind goes. May our mind not be on negative things or lustful things or dark things. But God, I pray that you'll put our mind on Jesus. Thou would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thank you that you've saved somebody today. I believe with all my heart that you're saving souls. I pray that you'd help those that make decisions today to, to comment on the YouTube channel or the Facebook Live. Help them to comment so we'll know that they've made a decision. Thank you for the young lady that Wednesday night did such. God, I pray that you'll give us safety in these days. We pray for the sick that you'd heal them. And we pray for the well that you'd keep them well. God, our leadership. And Heavenly Father, save our nation and our world. And Heavenly Father, we sure pray for divine healing. Bless our Calvary family. We sure love them. And we pray that Jesus receives glory and praise from all that's done. We love you and praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Calvary, love y'all. If you're watching today, you're not our Calvary family. We love you as well. God bless you. Have a great day. We're going we're gonna to live stream again tonight at 6 o'clock. We hope to see you there. Take care and have a good day.